Hey folks, welcome back to another edition of Fire and Ice Sports. As always, my name is Evan Smoke, your resident fire on the podcast, fourth-year student at the University of Georgia, and back home in Statesboro after a trip to the Classic City this weekend is Mr. Bryson Wheeler, the local ice. Bryson, how was your time in Athens over the weekend? It was good. Got to, you know, that was only my second ever time going to Athens. Got to see a lot of the friends, you and Brantley and some other people. Got to see my cousin up there. It was a good time just getting away, getting a little time to relax. And I got Raisin Cane's, which is my favorite fast food restaurant in the world. So just getting that made the trip well worth it. But uh, nobody is here for a trivia question. So we're just going to hop right into college football. And last week, me and you both went 6-1 and one in our picks. So very good week for us. And overall, that leaves me at 26-9 and nine, and you at 22-13, and 13, so it gives me a four-game lead over you. But before we get into this week's picks, let's recap some of what happened last week. And open it up was the Newton game between Kansas State and Texas, and it was a thriller. You know, Will Howard had a really good game for Kansas State, threw for 327 and four touchdowns, did have one interception, and... You know, they were down early in this game. It was a pretty bad game at halftime. I wasn't even interested in this one because Texas was up so much. And then all of a sudden, Kansas State's within three points with a minute left to go. And so we're having to turn this game on and watch it. And we're like, oh, my gosh, is Texas about to get eliminated here? But Malik Murphy did just enough for the win. And Jonathan Brooks at running back was electric once again. But Malik Murphy threw for 248 and a touchdown. Did have two interceptions. Jonathan Brooks ran for 112 and a touchdown. C.J. Baxter had a great game, 90 and a touchdown on the ground. So props to Texas. Without Quinn Ewers surviving and advancing, Malik Murphy's looked good in his replacement. Kansas State, props to y'all. Props to Will Howard for showing back up. He's kind of struggled most of this year. Not what we saw at the end of last year you know, when he caught fire. But props to them for playing this one. But great job by Texas for staying alive for the college football playoffs. But what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, this Texas team is playing with fire just like Oklahoma was a couple weeks ago before their losses. And it's very interesting because I think Quinn Ewers, when he returns, will return this team to elite status. But they're not there currently with Malik Murphy. And there's nothing wrong with that. Murphy's just struggled in the last two games. And I understand to come off the bench – and get thrown into two very intensive, you know, season-saving games, especially after their loss to Oklahoma. Now they don't have room for mess up. There's no error. Uh, and they're they're surviving. And that's all you can ask sometimes out of a team. They're doing a really great job. I think they play TCU this weekend. Should be a manageable game there. Um, and they'll probably still make the Big 12 championship. Uh, and if they get to match up with Oklahoma State, and that's what it's looking like now, um, they still have a really great shot to make it into the playoffs later this year. All right. At 3.30, Missouri and Georgia kicked off. And this one was a nail-biter for Georgia fans, especially in the first half going into the third quarter. You know, this was like a three- or four-point game entering the fourth quarter. Missouri played awesome. They played their hearts out. They did everything they could to win this game. Brady Cook played well, did have two interceptions that came back to bite them. But Cody Schrader was great on the ground. He had 112 and a touchdown. Luther Burden and Theo Weese had great games. Mookie Cooper had a good game. I mean, they have playmakers galore. I can't even imagine if they still had uh, Dominic Lovett and, you know, some of the other playmakers that have transferred out of there. This Missouri football team is a really, really good team. On the other hand, Carson Beck threw for 254 and two touchdowns. I will say I was not – 
performance at all. I thought he missed a lot of throws. But, you know, he did enough to get the win. Georgia was very lackluster on the ground as well. They did run for 131, but it was on 33 attempts, only one touchdown on the ground. Lab McConkey had another great game, though, seven for 95. So, you know, this was one that Georgia just had to win, and they did. And I, it doesn't make me think any less or more of this Georgia team. I think it made me think more of this Missouri team, though. I've been raving about them the last few weeks and how good they are. And I, I, I went to you in the fourth quarter, and I said – I don't care what happens in this game. Missouri is a heck of a football team. And I even said, if they pull this upset off, I'm picking them to win the SEC. That's how good I think this Missouri team is. I think they are just a couple of pieces away from really, really, really being special. But what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, absolutely. So I thought the game was exactly kind of how I thought it would play out in the first half. I knew the Missouri would give us a lot of trouble. They were coming off a bye. They had 12 days to prepare for us. I mean, this was something that was going to be a very hard-fought battle. Stanford Stadium was a little lackluster, I will say. Um, Missouri was 80th in penalties coming into this game, and I think they only got away with like six or seven total. Um, so the noise has definitely got to be uh, adjusted come this weekend, and we'll talk about the dogs matchup later in the show. But I'm not super surprised by the end result. I thought the dogs would get would catch fire in the second half of the roll, and we kind of did it. Even though it was 30 to 21, those last three attempts were field goals from like inside the 20. So we just couldn't convert um, when it came to red zone touchdown rate. We were scoring. We could get there, but we just couldn't put it in the end zone. So I think the biggest thing that we need to take away from this is Georgia's got to take care of the, you know, of, of getting into the end zone a little bit more. But I kind of want to disagree with you. I think Beck played a really good game, and I understand he made some bad reads. And, that's something that comes with being a first-year quarterback, but he's played pretty exceptional to this point. Um, he is in the back end of the Heisman race. I would agree that I mean, what I mean by that is like he could finish top 10 in voting and not get a, an invite to New York. But I think with all that being said, this Georgia team does lose Jamon Dumas-Johnson, which is a huge loss. He's going to try to play through a broke arm, but I would be very shocked if he plays this weekend. Um, so that's going to be someone who needs to step up. But Peyton Woodrig, I think, is the real story of this game. A kicker who. So, yeah, regarding the Georgia Missouri game, I really thought the first half went about as expected. I thought it'd be a very close game. You know, Missouri had about 12 days to prepare for us, considering the bye week. And I think we'd be naive to think that Drinkwitz didn't have this calendar or this game marked on the calendar for a long part of the year, especially after last year's performance out of his Tigers. But I think in the second half, Georgia just got a little stagnant, and, and we were moving the ball. The defense wasn't doing a problem. I mean, you gave it 21 points against a really explosive offense um, on the road, I'll be. But, you know, still a very good offense. And we were getting to the red zone. We just were, were settling for field goals instead of touchdowns, and eventually that will come back and bite you. That is something that Georgia has seemed to develop a pattern on all year. But I – you know, kind of to disagree with two of your points, I think, A, Carson Beck did have a really good game. Uh, obviously, his decision-making wasn't as elite as he had been in the past, but as a first-year starter, he's out. He's prone to those type of games, and I think Saturday was nonetheless one of the worst ones. But at the end of the day, 254 yards and two touchdowns, no turnovers. That's all you could ask out of someone in a top-12 matchup. With, the, with, a, with a defense that was blitzing heavily, um, let's not forget that. But you, you, you mentioned that Luther Burden had a really good game. And while he did have that big 39-yard touchdown to put Missouri up 7-3 to three in the first quarter, he went the rest of the game two catches for 14 yards. 
uh, to kind of remove him from the equation. And I'll be, let's not forget to mention he was banged up in the second half. I think it's something that is a very commendable job out of Kamari Laster, who moved in from a cornerback spot to that slot star position to cover Luther Burden almost exclusively. And I, I think he did a really good job. So hats off to him. This game this week is just the appetizer for what's coming Saturday night. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show, but I'm not angry at my the Georgia Bulldogs. I, I'm not even bad. I'm just I'm worrying about complacency, and that's something that the entire nation has talked about as we've got into this three-peat potential season. It's going to only get harder, and the dogs have to continue to improve and adapt, and it starts this weekend versus Ole Miss. All right, and yeah, we'll get into that game in just a few minutes. But let's talk about the two nightcappers that were absolutely phenomenal games, both of them. And the first one is the Pac-12 game between Washington and USC, which ultimately led to the firing of Alex Grinch. And Washington and USC both put on phenomenal uh, offensive performances in this one. Michael Penix threw for 256, two touchdowns, had one interception. Dylan Johnson, though, ran for 256 and four touchdowns for USC against, I mean, for Washington against this horrid USC defense. Caleb Williams on the other side threw for 312 and three touchdowns. Austin Jones had 127 on the ground. And this game was very back and forth in the first half. I mean, it, it was like every team was scoring on every single possession. It was 35-28 at halftime. Washington's defense stepped up a little bit in the second half, just enough to get them this 10-point win. And, I, you know, I love this Washington team. They're, they have one of, if not the best offenses in college football. Yes, the defense can be a little bit iffy at times, but this offense is so good. Michael Penix is a phenomenal quarterback leading them. But what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, obviously so, so, so sad to see Alex Grinch go. I mean, it just really tears my heart. Um, I hope the sarcasm is going through the phone right now, but it was necessary. And this USC team is a very elite, but they've just got too many problems to be a national championship contender. It's what I tried to tell you at the beginning of the season. Um, I'm glad you finally opened your eyes to that. But this Washington team had an opportunity to lose this game. Uh, let's not let's not mince words here, but they found a way to win on the road in the Coliseum, which isn't the most daunting place to play, but it's not the easiest either. So. Hats off to Kalen DeBoer and the Huskies. They now get rewarded with a matchup versus Utah at home this weekend. Regardless, they're still undefeated. They are the lone undefeated out of the playoff right now, but when Michigan and Ohio State playing each other, that will suit itself out if everyone stays undefeated. It's going to be an interesting rest of the season, um, especially because, you know, Washington doesn't have a huge great resume. Um, but I, I, they keep playing with fire, similar to Oklahoma, and I'm just worried if – will they ever get burnt by it or will they find ways to continuously extinguish the flames every week? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see that play out, especially in the rematch that seems to be coming with Oregon down the road in the Pac-12 championship. But let's get into the other not capper real quick, and it was another really fun one, especially in the first half. Alabama and the LSU and – Alabama ended up pulling away with this one, winning by 14. Jalen Milrow had one of, if not his best games as an Alabama quarterback so far. He threw for 219, no touchdowns or interceptions, but on the ground he had 155 yards and four rushing touchdowns. Jason McClellan had 63 in a touchdown. Roy Dell Williams had 56 in the touchdown. And this is kind of what I expected out of this Alabama team on the offense side of the ball. 
a lot of read options with Jalen Milrow and Jace McClellan and Roy Dell Williams. Then, you know, just using the pass game for when they need it. Isaiah Bond, Jace McClellan, Jermaine Burton, Kendrick Prentice, C.J. Dupree, all these playmakers that they have. Just nobody really to get them the ball, but they did it just enough this past Saturday. And then on the defensive side for this Alabama team, they gave Jaden Daniels his worst performance of the year. He still played solid, especially on the ground game, but this Alabama secondary is phenomenal. And Jaden Daniels only threw for 219 and two touchdowns. Malik Neighbors had 171 of those yards. So the rest of the receiving core did not do much at all. We know the star that Malik Neighbors is, so props to him. But this Alabama secondary is phenomenal, shutting him down. Jaden Daniels did run for 161, a touchdown on this Alabama defense. That's a little bit scary, but it didn't matter. Alabama wins by 14, and they keep looking stronger and stronger every week. What are your thoughts on this team? This Alabama LSU game lived up to a lot of hype. Obviously, people are going to want to talk about the Dallas Turner hit. They're going to talk about Jaden Daniels leaving the game with an injury. But I think the better team and the team that played better that day won the game. I don't, as much as I think the injury affected the game, I don't think it changed the outcome. So I want to say that off the top. This Alabama team continues to improve, continues to look scary. And, and I think we need to take this moment to really appreciate Nick Saban's coaching job this year because this team was left for dead after the Texas win and the shaky start versus South Florida. And now they've come back. Tommy Reese has created a game plan for his quarterback. They're doing a really good job of playing to the strengths, minimizing the weaknesses, and they're just continuing to improve every week. And, I, and I'll ask you this question right now. If we go to Atlanta tomorrow and the SEC championship is Georgia and Alabama, like it's probably going to be, not guaranteed, are you taking the Bulldogs comfortably? Because I'm not. I, I, I would pick Georgia by 10. I mean, I said it last week. I don't think there's a team in the country that can beat Georgia. I think my idea is – starting to change just a little bit on that because I'm starting to think this Alabama team is a really, really good football team. But my worry about them is if it's, you know, a, if they need a real clutch drive, I don't trust Jalen Milrow to go down on that Georgia defense or, you know, to pass on whoever it is. I just don't believe in him as a passer yet. But Georgia's defense has been a little bit vulnerable to the run game the last few weeks. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what, what's that – Especially the edge run. Yeah, and, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what Quinshawn Judkins could do. But if they can't defend it against Alabama and Alabama's able to do what they just did on that LSU defense running the ball, then it, it, it will be an interesting game. But like I said, I would pick Georgia probably by 10 right now. Okay. All right. You ready to get into next week's picks? Let's get into it. Okay. First game, Michigan and Penn State, big noon kickoff. It's going to be a fun one, I think. Michigan, you know, is everybody's talking about how they look like the best team in the nation. They're this and that. J.J. McCarthy, oh, my goodness, whatever. I'm not as a believer as the whole other part of the nation on them, but I think they're a much better football team right now than Penn State is. I'm not a believer in this Penn State offense. I think Michigan's going to on defense. I think it's going to be a low-scoring affair, but I think Michigan's ground game would – you know, complimented by J.J. McCarthy's passing game, kind of like this Alabama team does. I think they're going to do just enough to get a seven-point win. Give me Michigan covering the five-point spread. Okay. So, I'm going to go ahead and start it off. I'm going to take Penn State. Take a Penn State for mostly pride reasons. 
because I picked Penn State to win the Big Ten. I picked Penn State in my playoffs, all this and that, blah, 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 blah. But I think at the end of the day, this Michigan team has not been tested. And I think Penn State understands back against the wall, wounded animal mode, whatever you're going to go. They're going to come out swinging, and they're going to get Michigan caught off guard. And I think Penn State can create some type of lead, maybe possibly double-digit lead early on in this game to create fear in the Michigan offense and the Michigan defense. And I think they're going to continue to play catch-up, and I think Michigan might tie it. I think Drew Aller has a really great moment this weekend. I think he steps up. A lot of people want to call James Franklin a very overrated coach, but there's something, you know, if you go back and look through all the times and the histories, James Franklin, I think, has lost one game as a favorite. Uh, if, if, again, a ranked, against a ranked matchup. Um, and Michigan is favored, don't get me wrong. But I think he can make the necessary improvements to squeak out a win, possibly overtime. I, and, again, I'm not confident in this. This is a mostly a prideful pick. But I will take the Nittany Lions at home to create a chaos tiebreaker theory in the Big Ten East. I like it. And, you know, you mentioned about James Franklin. I, I don't think he's an overrated coach. I think people get that because he never really wins the huge games, especially, you know, over Michigan, Ohio State. And he's not won a national championship or even been much of a national championship contender. But I, I don't see him in as, as an elite coach, and I don't think anybody does. I see him as a very good football coach, borderline top ten in college football. And I, I think that's where most people would rate him. So I, I think he's a very good football coach. He's just not elite, if, if that makes sense. But let's get into the next game. Utah at Washington. Uh, another Pac-12 top 25 matchup. It seems like they give us three or four of these every week, and it's been fun. But Utah's a very, very good defensive team. Hasn't brought much on the offensive side, which makes sense. They lost Cam Rising for the year. And Bryson Barnes and the other quarter – what's his name? I can't think of it. Nate Johnson? Nate Johnson, yeah. They, they've been okay at quarterback. Nothing special. No Cam Rising, but – their defense has kept them in many, many ball games this year, but I think this Washington offense is going to be way too much for Michael Penix. I think Washington wins and covers the nine-and-a-half point spread. I don't think they cover by much. Give me Washington by 10 or 13 at home. So I'm going to take Washington to win outright, but I'll take Utah to cover. I think this Utah team is going to be able to create some chaos. I think the defense might be able to step up a little bit to slow down Penix. And that offense, also Washington, like I said, they keep playing with fire. I don't know if they get burnt this weekend, but they're going to have to be, you know, extinguishing some flames late. Keep it close. Give me Washington by seven. All right. The next one, 3.30 CBS kickoff, Tennessee at Missouri. And Tennessee's favored by one point. And this one doesn't really make sense to me. You know how I feel about this Missouri team. I I think this Tennessee team's a little bit of fraud. I know that they're sitting here at 7-2 and two with losses to only Alabama and Florida, but let's go back to the Florida game. We see now Florida is not a real good football team. I know it was in the swamp, but Florida owned this one. They manhandled Tennessee. Tennessee struggled with the A&M. Tennessee struggled mightily with Kentucky two weeks ago. I, I don't think they're that good of a football team, and I love this Missouri team. At home, I think it's going to be a – Fairly comfortable Missouri win. Give me Missouri by 10. Oh, what's going on? Boom, oh, froze on me. Give me a second. Nah. 
Well, I got you. Oh, okay. It just froze on me. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. My own. My own. Are you what? Hello, hello. I got you. Okay, okay but double. double. You Can there? you hear me? Yes. Uh, I'm just gonna go with it. Anyway, as for this Tennessee Missouri game, I think this Missouri team is just way too talented. I think Luther Bowden can really explode, expose the Tennessee secondary. Uh, I think Tennessee is going to be looking too much ahead to this Georgia game. Give me the Missouri Tigers at home, winning by seven. Speaking of Georgia, Ole Miss travels to Athens, seven o'clock kickoff. Georgia is favored by ten and a half. I think that's a very solid line, especially seeing what Missouri did, you know, this week covering the 14, 15 and a half spread, whatever it was, and only losing by nine. But here's the thing. I think Georgia fans are even more scared of this Ole Miss team. I'm, I would not be. I think Missouri is a better football team than Ole Miss. If they played a neutral site game tomorrow, I would pick Missouri outright. Like I said, though, a few minutes ago, if Quinshawn Judge can, can have can, ugh, can have success against this Georgia defense running the ball, it could get into a very, very close game late in the game for Georgia. Especially with Jackson Dart, if he uses his legs and the way he's been throwing the ball, it could get close. But I think Georgia wins this one comfortably, a little more comfortable, comfortably than they did this past week with Missouri. Give me Georgia by 13. So this Georgia game is going to rest on three things. It's going to rest on how well does the Ole Miss offense translate on the road, which this season it has not. The second thing will be penalties. Ole Miss is 90th in the country in penalties, and Sanford Stadium at night is a very ruckus, loud, insane place to play if the fans buy in. We did in last week versus Missouri. There's been recalls this week all through the city to make the stadium loud and packed. Rumors of black jerseys, which I don't think will happen, um, but there is some scuttlebutt about it. This game is not only a must-win, obviously, but it's it's a game that Kirby really especially likes. Ole Miss is the only SEC opponent that Kirby has faced that he did not have a win over. There's only two opponents that he doesn't have a win over, and that's Ole Miss and Texas. And I think he gets back at Ole Miss this weekend. I think the the run game does scare me, don't get me wrong. I think we have to be elite on the edges. I think Jackson Dart and his legs, similar to what Brady Cook did last week, can have a couple runs here or there that keep drives alive. But at the end of the day, I trust Carson Beck. There's a possibility that Brock Bappers plays on Saturdays, which I know sounds like far-fetched science fiction, but I'm telling you it's real. At the end of the day, I'm going to take the dogs. You cut out. You there? Evan, you there? Okay, I got you now. I heard you you were taking the dogs, but by how many? Taking the dogs 31 to 20. All right. Uh, the next one, USC at Oregon. Like I said, the Pac-12 just keeps giving us great games, and this should be another one. USC, the high-power offense, we know. Oregon, they've been awesome on both sides of the ball all year. Bo Nix is a Heisman candidate. 
this Oregon team is looking really, 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 really scary. People, you know, are saying, oh, could they get their revenge at Georgia? No, I don't think so. They have not improved 46 points from Georgia last year. But they're still a really good football team nonetheless and can still win the Pac-12. And this is just another stepping stool for it. I think USC's defense will play a little bit better without Alex Grinch. But I think this Oregon team's way too good. Give me Oregon covering the 15 points they're favored by and winning by 20. Absolutely. I'm going to take the Ducks big on the, uh, at home in Eugene. I have no confidence in this USC team. Apologies to Caleb Williams for being on a subpar team in his last year in college, but I'm going to take the Ducks pretty big. Okay. Georgia Tech at Clemson, 12 o'clock kickoff. Clemson's favored by 14, and I don't I don't like this line. I think it's way too high. Clemson has been, been very lackluster all year. They did get a great win this past week against Notre Dame, a team that I thought is very, very good. But – Clemson's offense has struggled most of the year. They have not done anything fantastic. K. Klubnik has been very subpar. Phil Moffa had a great game this past week, but other than that, he's not really done much. And on the other side, Haynes King has been throwing the ball all over people. And I get this Clemson defense probably the best he's faced up to this point, but I think he's going to have another successful game. I do have Clemson winning this one, but I do not see them covering 14 points. So, I really want to take Georgia Tech, which is a very horrible thing to say out loud as a Georgia fan. I'm going to take Clemson close. Give me Clemson by three on Saturday. All right, and the last game we're going to get into is Alabama at Kentucky. Alabama's only a ten-and-a-half point favorite in this one, but I do think that they're going to win, and I think they're going to cover that. This Alabama team getting keeps getting stronger and stronger week by week, and this is a Kentucky team that has lost three of its last four, it's a team that I do not see as a very good football team. You know, when they beat Florida like they did, I think people started thinking, oh, they're a really good football team. But like I said, we've come to see this Florida team is not that good of a football team. After that game, they got blown out to Georgia, blown out to Missouri, lost to Tennessee, and then beat a very, very subpar Mississippi State team. I don't think this Kentucky team is very good, and I think this Alabama team is rolling. Give me Alabama by at least 17. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm taking the Crimson Tide, don't get me wrong, and I think they might cover, but I, I think this Kentucky game has got trap game written all over it. Kroger Field's a hard place to play now at noon. It's a sneaky, sleepy game. I think Kentucky keeps it close. Alabama pulls out in the end. Give me a slight cover. Alabama by 14. All right. That's all I have in the college football world, if that is good with you. And yep. let's move on to the NFL real quick. Uh, let me pull it up real quick. Sorry. And nothing major happened this week. We did have a great 930 kickoff with the Chiefs and the Dolphins. The Chiefs jumped out to a quick 21-0 lead as Steve Spagnolia and this defense looked absolutely awesome, holding the Dolphins to pretty much nothing, especially in the first half. They made it close in the second half. But Tua only threw for 193 and a touchdown. Tyreek Kill only had 62 yards. Jalen Waddle 42. Raheem Mostert did have 85 and a touchdown on the ground. But it just wasn't enough for this Chiefs team, who was ultimately led by their defense this week. As Patrick Mahomes struggled a little bit, threw for 185 and two touchdowns. Travis Kelsey was held very, very quiet. Three catches for 14 yards. Isaiah Pacheco had an all-right game, 66 yards on the ground. But, you know... This Chiefs team just keeps winning ball games. They're sitting here at seven and two with a great defense. 
And the Dolphins, on the other hand, they have one win over a team over 500 in 700 days and do not have one in the last 400. So are you starting to think this Miami team's frauded? Yes. Just yes, yes. I don't need to say anything more, I feel like. <laughs> All right. And the last game that I want to talk about from this past weekend is the Falcons. And I know you're probably going to hate talking about this one because it was a very ugly loss to a Minnesota team who had no clue what they were doing at quarterback. You saw Jaron Hall get the start. He was 5-6 or six for 78 yards early, gets hurt. Josh Dobbs, who probably didn't even know a single person on this team's name, comes into quarterbacks and throws for 158 and two touchdowns and a little bit of playing time he did. He had a great game on the ground, though. He had 66 and a touchdown. Alexander Madison had another 44 and probably his best game of the year. Madison also had 49 receiving yards and a touchdown. Hawkinson and Addison did, you know, pretty much what they've been doing all year. On the other side, Heineke gets the start, was very lackluster, threw for 268 and a touchdown, did have an interception. B. John Robinson only had 51 yards. Algier had 39 and a touchdown. Johnny Smith had a great game, though. He had five for 100 and a touchdown. But the Falcons end up losing this one by three, and it was a very, very ugly loss. But what are your thoughts on the Falcons? We got to fire Arthur Smith, man. He got to go. He's just got to go. Like a, I mean, it. I saw a great, great tweet this past weekend, and it said Ritter and Heineke are symptoms, and the disease is Arthur Smith. And that's what it is. Like, I don't really know what else to say, man. I mean, we're we're giving the ball. We have six touchdowns combined between your number four pick and your two last number eight picks. And I get Drake London didn't play on Sunday, and that was a negative, and Heineke have him. He's trending that maybe he might play Sunday against Arizona, but it's a little bit questionable. But the Falcons, man, it's your defense is great. Your offense is talented, and we're just not converting at any position. Um and I don't know, man. It's it's coming down to coaching because the talent's there, but the play calling and the execution is very, very, very lackluster. Yeah, I agree. It makes no sense to me. Me and Jackson argue this all the time because he's like, "What do you want, Bijan, to get thirty carries?" No, yeah. but when Algiers, well, I mean, yeah, I would love to see him get more. But here's the thing: Algiers getting twelve to fifteen touches a week, and I get Tyler Algiers is a good running back. But he's not near as good as B. John, who has one rushing touchdown on the year. And, oh, by the way, Algier has out-touched B. John 26-11 in the red zone this year. That's horrible. You drafted him fourth – or what, what – 8th eight, overall for a reason. And then, you know, like you were talking about with the four pick, Kyle Pitts, he is getting out-targeted by Johnny Smith. It's not even funny. And I, I just – I don't understand all this. Drake London, you know, he's been getting better work the last few weeks. Kyle Pitts is growing. But the Bijan Algier thing makes zero sense to me. You drafted this guy eighth overall. He's very, very talented. And he has one rushing touchdown. He's getting out-snapped in the red zone, out-touched in the red zone, out-touched overall just about. And it, it makes no sense to me. It, it's it's head-scratching to say the least. Well, all right, that is all I have for the NFL, and we really don't have anything NBA or MLB to talk about. College basketball has tipped off. We did have a very good game between Baylor and Auburn last night where Baylor ended up pulling it out by six. There's a lot of really good college basketball games coming up. 
ranked matchups next Tuesdays. The who Kentucky and Kansas play Michigan State and Duke. Michigan State did just lose to James Madison though, but it's going to be two top twenty-five matchups tipping off back to back. Should be very fun, and we'll get into a lot of college basketball probably next week after we have about four or five ranked matchups between now and then. But do you have any thoughts on anything else before we get into our bold predictions? Yeah, dogs suffer a big loss out in Las Vegas to the Oregon Ducks. Uh, don't fret too much about this Georgia basketball team. I don't think we're going to be super great. But it's a lot of transfers, a lot of new coaches, a lot of recruits. I mean, this roster is completely made over just like it was a year ago, but with a lot more talent. I think the dogs will be feisty, so don't give up too much little hope that you had. Uh, just because of the performance out in Oregon. All right. Well, let's get into our bowl predictions. And, you know, the funny thing is we were talking before the podcast, trying to pick games that that we were going to disagree with, and we couldn't really find many. We only disagreed on one today. But we could have picked this one because I think I'm going to disagree with you here. I just want to go with it just for a bowl prediction. But I'm going to pick Duke to get the upset against North Carolina this week. North Carolina's a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, get Duke's had their struggles with Riley Winter banged up, this and that. If Winter plays, I think they're going to win this game. And even if he doesn't, I think they still can. Drake May is about all this North Carolina team has. They've been struggling my least, especially on the defense side of the ball. But I think Duke can pull this one out. So, I'm going to go with a 14-and-a-half-point underdog to get the upset here. I'll also give you another bold prediction. Not many people really care about this, but tonight my flag football team plays for the championship here. We play too easy, who is like the two-time defending champ here. Regional runner-up this year. I think they won the regional last year. They're a really, really good flag team. Well, our team is just so hot right now, and they're a little bit banged up. I think we pitch our four-straight shutout in the playoffs and do not give up a point in the playoffs all the way and get the championship tonight. That would be insane. Hey, we're hot. Okay, well, for the record, I would have picked Duke as well. Just just for the record. But my bold prediction, I, I kind of hinted at it earlier, and I, I could be completely wrong about this, but you, you talk to the people who's got their, you know, their finger on the pulse of this program, and they think Brock Bowers is going to play this weekend. I think he returns and catches a touchdown, and if he does that, can we just, like, give him Hall of Fame status immediately? Like, I mean, it would be insane. It'd be one day quicker than Tua returned from his tightrope surgery. I, I, I think he's going to play. I think he's going to play limited, but I think he gets a red zone touch. He brings it down, scores his last touchdown at Sanford Stadium. All right. Well, it's going to be interesting to see, and hopefully it's a fun game. I don't really think it's going to be as close as the Missouri one. We'll, we're, we'll see. Hey, it'll be fun if we beat him 51-0. to zero. I'll have fun. I don't think he'll be that bad, but I, I can see <laughs> getting 20-25 point game. I, I think Missouri's a lot better team than Ole Miss is. I think Ole Miss is pretty flawed. I, I just feel like they haven't got the meat of their schedule up to, you know, they've got Georgia. They still – they haven't played LSU, have they? Who, Tennessee? Ole Florida? Miss. Ole Miss. Uh, I don't know. I don't think they've played they, LSU. They, they, beat, they beat LSU. They beat LSU. Okay. That's LSU's second loss. Who else does Missouri have? Well, I guess they do only have Mississippi State. Yeah. They have Are you talking really... about Ole Miss or Missouri? You keep switching names. Uh, my bad. I'm talking about Ole Miss. They have 
Yeah, I'm looking at their schedule right now. I mean – They got Mississippi State, and they have a cupcake next week. Yeah, but they do. But the last few weeks, they've – and I know they can't really change their schedule, but they've beat a Arkansas team who's horrible by seven, a Auburn team who's horrible by seven, a bad Vanderbilt team, and a not really good Texas A&M team by three at home. And so I just – I don't see them as that – elite football team or even close to it. But they're a good football team nonetheless. Not as good as Missouri, though, in my opinion. But do you have any last words before we wrap up? Do not. All right. Well, go Braves, go Hawks, and go Falcons.